strike up the conversation on Post Show Recaps, a podcast bringing you coverage of the labor disputes happening now in television and film. I'm Dr. Amanda, and I'm your host for these conversations. As always, we have a great conversation in store for you today, one that I'm very excited about because I get to talk to two of my dear friends who I haven't been able to podcast with in a little while, two people who are dangerously dangerously close to learning how to make popcorn at home. It is Ariel and Grace, the hosts of Post Show Recaps Theater, among many other podcasts. Grace, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I don't, my popcorn is not as good as the movie theater popcorn. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, they put something very yeah. unnatural and delicious yeah. in the movie theater popcorn. That's right. <laughs> Ariel, how are you? What is up? Uh, yeah. I, Wow, cooking at home. I wish I knew what that was. Uh, do I do you, how many of your many... meals do you eat in a movie theater, Ariel? This is a Ooh. great question. <laughs> how many of my meals? To be clear, yes, sometimes I bring food, but I am very, uh, what's the word? Considerate because mm. I do not bring mm. hot food into the yeah. theater. I am like a cold food. Like I'll bring salads, I'll bring like, you know, whatever other food. No that's tinned also fish or hard boiled eggs. <laughs> I do not bring a microwave into the theater and then microwave my fish in it like some people do. Extremely <laughs> uh, considerate. Yeah, I am have I am having memories now of being a child and having like that popcorn machine mm -hmm. at home. Yeah, that, like, took the seeds, whatever they're called, the kernels, kernels. and classically uh, called kernels, <laughs> the watermelon seeds that we make popcorn from, <laughs> uh, and like heated it up, and then we melt our own butter this, mm -hmm. was, this yeah. was truly like the high life and i had no idea at the time. yeah well it could be yours again Ariel. Yeah, that's um, right. i need that machine i need that noise that mm -hmm. i don't quite know what technology the thing is using to pop those kernels well grace and ariel are joining me today because we are going to talk about the impact of the hollywood strikes on film delays and the movie industry in general um but before we get to all of that um i just want to remind everybody that this is a new podcast Podcast, so subscribing and rating really helps people find us. Um, you can make sure you're subscribed by using our RSS feed. That's postshowrecaps.com slash strike when you search by URL on your podcast player of choice. In fact, you might be listening to us on that very podcast player right now. So you could stop down and do that. That's postshowrecaps.com slash strike. Um, you can also rate and review and also submit any questions or topics that you're interested in hearing more coverage of at postshowrecaps.com slash strike FAQ. Um, so yeah, let's start maybe with a little bit of an update on the Hollywood strikes. Um, today we are recording on Sunday, August 13th. On Friday, August 11th, there was um, some progress made between the AMPTP and the WGA. They appear to be resuming negotiations. So after a false start earlier this month, um, the AMPTP has come back to the WGA and um, they have agreed on terms for proceeding with the negotiations. So this is some good news, Grace. This is some some good news. Still, I still, you know, all of it. I, you know, hesitate to say how much progress we'll make out of this, considering the stance that um, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers uh, seem to have taken on some of the the talking points, uh, mm -hmm. some of the, the strike matters. So we shall see. Uh, I guess talking is better than not talking. So, 
Yeah, I think that that's the upshot. Like, they tried to talk about talking, and that didn't work out. And now at <laughs> uh -huh. least they can talk about talking. So that's a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. some talking is better than no talking. Uh, and in this case, we're not even sure that they're talking. We're, they're sending each other messages. It's mm -hmm. very like... Oh, they're poking, like Facebook poke. Yeah, yeah I was going right. to say, it's very like elementary school. Like, pass this note, pass this note down. <laughs> this note. Talking is better than no talking is a good tagline for podcasts in general. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. consider that for this one. Um, okay, good. Yeah, and the WGA, I think that they're, you know, they're the the tone seems to be cautiously optimistic, and um, in their communications to their members so far, they've sort of indicated that they're proceeding and that they're not going to be sharing all of the blow by blow description of the moves on each side. Um, I think you know this is kind of precarious. If either side starts leaking to the press, I think things could really get hairy very quickly. So we're going to stay tuned to all of the developments that um that proceed from those discussions but today what we're talking about is what the heck is going on in movies right now movies movies movies, movies. we I'll don't have the movies that was the initial tagline for poster recaps theater and yeah i mean we have the movies was the tagline but we know. have the movies right um, now in august we don't have them yeah so true. you guys you guys cover you cover movies and i'm sure yeah. you like look at the calendar and you look at all of the releases and you say these are ones that like we're definitely gonna have to talk about we can yep. fill in these things like what does the immediate outlook for august september october like what are you looking forward to oh, god august august was very very bleak um there you know it's not not entirely uh i mean we're we're actually like taking this week off uh we, we uh talked about doing the last voyage of the demeter which is a dracula movie um but then there's blue beetle uh i certainly have like comic book movie fatigue so it's like yeah we're gonna mm -hmm. cover it but like Okay, we'll do it, uh, even if it looks good. Gran Turismo, uh, a movie that got pushed back a little bit, uh, is getting some interesting buzz. And I'd actually be interested to talk about uh, my cynical take on what mm. they've done in terms of pushing pushing that back uh, a, a little bit. Um, you know, we're starting to get into the time of you know oscar you know but you know yeah. prestige there's there's two things that happen in the fall slash winter which is yeah sort of these oscar buzzers these film festivals which we'll talk about uh mm -hmm. what's happening with them where you start to see some of these prestige movies um look like they'll hit uh the calendar and then um to to ramp up some time to 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 go for the award season uh, i think the award season could be not only that they're pushing it back could be very interesting in terms of like how it affects the best movies of the year some of these prestige dramas right. get pushed back um and then you have your big sort of like um thanksgiving christmas uh movies that also look like they might be getting pushed back um uh as well and really this is just because the actors can't promote them can't promote yeah. the movie so without the star power and, and i think also like yeah the, the we really are just coming out of a time uh during covid where um movie going was impossible for a time being uh with with lockdowns and theaters uh were shut down at least for a time being that movie going habits i think you know they're trying to ramp it back up and um you know barbie and oppenheimer obviously were a huge success um but i think the movie i think these uh film studios are worried that without their major stars uh being able to go out and actually promote uh on late night shows on red carpets uh anything that um it will hurt the the box office success of those movies so starting to think about delaying them and pushing them back yeah, I mean, I think I'm like the worst test case possible when it comes to movie going habits because, you know, I 
had two very small children and then COVID happened mm -hmm. and I like basically didn't see a single movie for seven years in the theater. Um, but I saw Barbie. I saw the Mario movie. I saw Teenage yeah. Ninja Turtles. I've seen more movies in the last three months than I had seen like in the previous <laughs> Seven years, not even joking. And I mean, we were in a huge, it's it's really a funny time, Ariel, because it's like the best of times and the worst of times with Barbie <laughs> and Oppenheimer. There was this uh -huh. huge sense of momentum, like people just hailing like movies are back. We had this like cinema going experience as a culture that I don't remember since like the Star Wars movies coming out or something like that in terms of the magnitude of the hype and the zeitgeist yeah. and the enthusiasm. And game had similar, like everybody's going to mm. see it vibes, but yeah, it's few and far between Ariel. Yes. Yeah, it's, it, I remember the moment when I realized like, oh God, wait, what's going to happen after Barbie and Oppenheimer? Like we, I, we were so, I mean, certainly Grace and I, but just as a culture, obviously we were so caught up in it in a way mm -hmm. that I think is really fun and, and positive for the most part for everyone. And it felt very inclusive and it felt very like, wow, we're doing this. Everybody, you look around and you're like, everyone is going to the movies just like me. Uh, and then I had a moment where I was like, wait, what's going to happen after these movies? Now this is going up. Like all of a sudden it got that high, high and mm -hmm. the the potential cliff that we were about to fall off on, off of, you know, for a variety of reasons, just as we already said, like August is always like a little bit slow anyway, or has been more, uh, more recently historically. And then obviously more importantly, the strikes going on and what that was going to mean. I have just been fascinated by this thing you all already talked about of the actors needing to promote and not that mm -hmm. part, but it just feels like the studios don't want you to know that that is and yeah. it's almost like they're getting caught with their pants down a little bit. Excuse the metaphor of like, yeah, obviously, if you think about it, actors, especially a huge name, A-list actor is an important part of like the press cycle of a movie, mm -hmm. but for it to be like one of the things that actually is instrumental to the movie making any money and more importantly people even hearing about it is uh it's a little bit wild to me if that makes sense yeah they're like showing their cards in a way that they probably don't want to where it's like actually your labor has so much value that we <laughs> that we have these completely produced movies that we can't air and it's because not good people enough people care enough. about you on the red carpet more than they care about um, you know, anything else we could do to promote it. And so it is like this supreme irony, Grace. Well, if you think of, I mean, so many people have, you know, especially, you know, younger folks have don't have cable. So where are you seeing ads for things, you know, especially, you know, there, um, I think there's a lot of people have returned back to work, but I think about like, yeah, basically if I sit at my desk all day, if I'm remote working, you know, a YouTube ad, uh, a, a Twitter uh, promotion, that promo skip, right skip. right so uh barbie i think like really went all out in terms of i don't think we've ever seen anything quite like this in a long time of how much promo they did that was so viral marketing right a barbie literally making a barbie house margot robbie um uh being like, what is she barbie wearing outfits. here what is she right. wearing here it yeah. was so dependent on on um on them on, on her right uh promoting this movie so yeah i think to ariel's point yeah it's like they don't want you to think about it but the fact that they're delaying things i think tells you uh, a lot you look at the fall lineup there is some stuff um 
that I think, you know, what, what are going to be the big movies, the things that for sure, like Aaron and I look at the list and we're like, yep, we're going to be covering that. So I think there's a few Marvel movies that were scheduled for this fall. Craven the Hunter, I think it got pushed mm -hmm. back. Um, yes. uh, the Marvels uh, is one. And then uh, Dune, obviously a big one. Killers of the Flower Moon, a movie that has also been delayed uh, a bunch of times already. This is the new Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Um, that's kind of that's kind of it. Uh, the Hunger Games uh, prequel uh, potentially coming out this fall. Those are Wonka, I guess you could say potentially. <laughs> I made a face at the Hunger Games thing. Now I'm making a bigger yeah, face. Yeah, <laughs> but these are kind of like the the things I think that were like you know, and and all of them I think have potential to get pushed back and moved. Uh, so that is creates a pretty dire. There's a lot of horror uh, I think on the books for uh, the fall. That's always been uh, low low budget, and and that's a thing that you don't necessarily need star power. I think to to push and and um and for people to see it low budget and they make a ton of money at the bottom, like a ton, but it makes its money back. So I think we'll probably see a ton of horror this fall mm -hmm. um, continue to be on the calendar. But yeah, other than that, it looks pretty bleak. Yeah. Let's talk about specifically what has been reported um, as delayed to this point. And like I said, this is uh today is Sunday, August 13th when we're recording. And this is like a running list. And, um, but so far I think the biggest headline was challengers getting, delayed this was i think the first casualty of the strike so that's the zendaya uh film directed by luca guardanino he's uh he did call me by your name and okay. uh, bones and all and yeah indie yeah this one was big for me personally yeah because it's tennis, tennis fan. it's an indie tennis yeah. film so it's like check yeah. it's like this uh venn diagram of a lot of my interests mm -hmm. and uh yeah the idea I, certainly tennis selfishly, yeah. selfishly yeah. i'm like Yes, please lay it. Well, the big thing for this is that it was going to play at Venice and it got moved. And um, that is a big deal. Venice uh, does have, the, you know, um, uh, all how we forget a year ago. Uh, don't worry, darling. Blew up mm. Venice with the spit Never gate. forget. Never, never forget. In a year yeah. already. Who was Zendaya going to spit at, <laughs> at Venice? We'll never know now. The chair umpire, probably. Yeah. So I think that's a big, that's a big deal. I'm, I'm in, mostly in like a, in, in the Toronto national film festival. So that doesn't feel like it's, it's been impacted super mm -hmm. hard, but this is the biggest, I think sort of like, Oh yeah, they might be, these delays might be coming for the, the film yeah. festivals challengers being, I think the the best example of that. So yeah, far. this, this I think was the first big headline about a film delay scheduled for a September release currently moved to April. So um, that's a quite a significant delay. Um, I have, the, I, I found a list of 11 different films that have reported delayed, including Craven the Hunter, as you mentioned, Grace. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, but mm -hmm. that's already been delayed also on this list. Probably. Craven the Hunter is interesting because mm. there was there, trailers were playing in theaters for Craven the Hunter, um, and so I actually didn't realize that it's it has officially been moved again. It's been moved a bunch. Um, it got moved to be early 2023, then late 2023, now August 2024. Um, that's that's a long time to have a movie sit in uh, <laughs> sit on the shelf oh, until man. you until you release yeah. it. Yeah. Um, another another film where I've seen trailers, Gran Turismo trailers at every okay. film that I've seen. Okay. Um, a little a, a yeah. relatively minor delay from early August to the end of August. But why is this film delayed? Grace? Do you want to hear my cynical take about Gran Turismo being delayed? 
uh not that it has huge names it has a uh, um uh, david uh, harbour david harbour from stranger things fame uh Orlando bloom i think might be in this movie um he's, he's there he shows but up. every trailer i have seen for this movie since it got delayed has included people having watched it at pre-screenings and talking about how great the movie is so i actually feel like this is a bit unique in that like it's it would be weird in the trailer but they're using this promotion material of people going uh, probably invited people who played the video game. The video game or the, the the movie is based off these people who played the video game who then were trying out to to actually drive uh, uh, these Gran Turismo cars. And um, and so I feel like the cynical take of this is that this is their press material. We don't have the stars. What else can we do? They have these people watch the movie, come out of the movie and go, that was amazing. That was so good. You have to watch it. You have to go check it out. Uh, that's my cynical take of like, this is their shift in promo right, uh, strategy. Right. I yeah. have to say this movie looks profoundly uninteresting to me, um, but this is, this is captured my children's hearts and minds because the idea that you could play a video game and then become yeah. a superstar is extremely appealing to them. I will say very quickly, having just seen it, that it is really bad, and then it <laughs> somehow gets really good. And it's, like, such a bizarre experience. Like, talk about, uh, what's the thing called? Like, whiplash? Whiplash, yeah. In a car that was, like, right. very oh, in a Maybe that's it's part of the experience. Yeah. <laughs> they want you to slow down. Mm -hmm. They want you to slow yeah. down. Um, so, white. White Bird is uh, also a delay. This is a Lionsgate Helen Mirren drama that is being delayed. Lionsgate also delaying the unnamed Dirty Dancing sequel. I mean, it's already been about oh, 30 years. Yeah. So what's another? What's we, we have been talking mostly sorry, that this is a, this has mostly been like uh, movies are being delayed because of the actor strike. But I actually do think the delays on movies that are were in production, planning to be in production. Um, obviously, the, the actor strike that completely prevents it. But I actually think I, I get really skeptical about these. I think Josh uh, mentioned this on a previous uh, strike of the conversation pod of like, I don't want to any of the movies that went, that go ahead during the writer's strike uh, yes. before the actors went on strike. Bad, bad news. You can't rewrite anything on, on set. So anything that's like not working, this is, this is bad. So um, I do think like um, the delays are not great, but from the writers being on strike perspective, like say the actors, figure out and it doesn't seem like they'll be first but if say they did um movies should still not go back into production just because uh the actors are able to work because writing is so uh important it's not that you do it before there's so much that happens during the set and some of the worst movies we saw during the last um during the last strike mm -hmm. uh, in 2007 were because they decided well we can we can shoot it anyway we can get this out we don't need to worry about having yeah. the writers on set i think one of the james bond movies uh the one that's a really bad era do you remember which one this is oh, i think it must uh, have been, uh... Uh, quantum, of, quantum solace. of solace yeah i think uh went ahead um uh, so they couldn't do any rewrites no nothing and so that's just yeah and it shows bad news. it shows yeah, yeah. We, we we've had a couple of um wga members join on this podcast justin shanes and frankly butler and i think they both spoke quite elegantly to this point that you know rewriting happens on set for a variety of different reasons sometimes you get to the location and things are a little bit different than you planned sometimes a prop doesn't work out quite right and you know think about everything that the actor says it has to be written by a writer and incorporated into the logic of the film so that it makes sense so that it honors the tone so that it accomplishes all of these different things so you cannot anticipate what is going to happen on a set some 
sometimes there's serendipity and something amazing will happen and you want to work it in. Sometimes it's just dealing with the logistics of what's available and what's unavailable. So there's really a myriad of reasons that things get rewritten. Sometimes the way an actor is delivering something doesn't work. It's just really important to have writers at all of these stages of production. So there's lots of reasons that um, things could get delayed. Um, well, promotion is just yeah. one of them. And then other production issues, obviously. Deadpool was going ahead and Ryan Reynolds was not allowed to improvise. This is a new story. That it's came so funny out. because when she, when Dr. Renna say that, I was like, yeah, we, they can't all be Ryan Reynolds, like improvising. Yeah. Well, right. but he, what he literally isn't allowed. He wasn't yeah, yeah, because yeah. he gets accredited as a writer. Yeah. He was not allowed to improvise. He had to read exactly from the script that had been written already. So you think about like the diminishing exactly. returns you get from your Deadpool movie. If you can't have Ryan Reynolds, who does have some comedic chops, be able to mm -hmm. improvise some of his dialogue. The deadest pool of all. <laughs> It's, it's, I mean, it's so interesting like that. It I feel like it goes back to and we're not going to we're actually we have an upcoming uh, episode to strike up the conversation where we're going to do a deep dive into AI with uh, Dan Schiffman, who is a, uh, a programmer and professor at NYU, who's an expert in all of this. But I think it gets back to this idea that on some level, like the reason that we seek out art is because of human authenticity, right? And the idea that Ryan Reynolds like says something hilarious in a moment that makes it into the film. It's like, that's a moment that an audience feels like they share with them. And that's, that's like part of what we pay for, Ariel. That's why we bring our dinner to the movie theater. <laughs> I don't. Not always. I don't. Sometimes it's just snacks. Because I need like, I need stay awake snacks, okay? Sometimes I'm tired and I'm interested in the movie and it's really good, but I'm going to fall asleep. So you have to bring like candy or something mm -hmm. to keep your brain. I don't sneak any uh, anything in because I'm afraid my picture will Nobody go on the wall sneak. and I'm not allowed I, in. They just don't ask me what they don't I have ask in my bag. Uh, yeah, this, it, it is... It's such a wonderful, like you were just talking about, that's such a, you you feel that, right? Like that that connection, it cuts through. Something like that Ryan Reynolds example, like it just cuts through that comedy has somehow survived 20 some odd layers of approvals. And mm -hmm. then like, yes, wow. And, the, and the, the people get to see it. And it's, that's worth it. Like that's, to, I think what, what we're talking about is that's like true creativity separate from all of this very important to people's livelihoods, but like very anti-human, unhuman mm -hmm. in a ways, a uh, capitalist mechanism that like makes these movies, the studios and the, you know, and the, the people who watch it, who have to make all these decisions and the, those execs. And I think you're losing the more I think I think the greater point here that I that I'm arriving at through all this is like you need it's like more and more important to have that human touch and like the the more the the studios like wrestle away from the creative control part of it the lesser the product will be overall right. in my opinion. Um, there's so I mentioned there's 11 of these some other um, films that I wanted to mention the untitled bad boys sequel mm -hmm. with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence I'm sure that Will Smith would love to turn the page on something so this is going mm -hmm. to be delayed I didn't even um, know about this honestly and now you can be disappointed that you're not getting it <laughs> um, right. there's also a uh, Ghostbusters sequel a karate kid project so some of these things are very near term. Um, some of them are were already anticipated 
four months down the line? Like, what kind of ripple effect do we anticipate that this is going to have? Like, there's movies that are delayed right now, but obviously a lot of production scripts are not getting written. Like, are we going to see if this gets resolved in the next month or so with both of these unions? Like, are we still going to feel this as a theater going audience? I, I think so. I, I, I'd be interested in your take, Ariel. But I, I do think like, you know, even if the even if both strikes got, you know, uh, concluded as as we're like talking on the podcast, there was still a chunk of time where uh, nothing was in production. So I do think that we will see probably just a very sparse calendar um, as as um, pr- like even even. Yeah, um, this fall, I think I think still could be pretty sparse uh even if they don't they don't move it and then yeah heading into the in 2024 i think like there won't be something i think every like every friday a big movie i think uh would be my prediction yeah i think maybe for the like the super casual movie goer it's like okay if there's a movie out in the theater then everything seems fine if there's like a new movie coming out but as far as quality and certainly as far as as we were talking about the calendar and the certain people looking forward to certain movies. I think there will be a lot of disappointment there, but I think similar to unfortunately, and this is kind of like the, the, the boring answer similar to writer strike that happened, excuse me, the uh, writer strike and the way it affected the TV season specifically uh, in or in 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here, I think we're not going to really understand the implications of this thing until it's probably a year or two out. Unfortunately. Yeah. And using that as a benchmark, um, you know, the 2007 strike, we've officially surpassed the length of that strike now. Huh. I think that we're <laughs> a dubious anniversary. We passed 100 days uh, about a week ago. So um, this is, you know, we have that kind of test case to see how much time makes an impact. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of impacts. We're going to talk about some of them today. I wanted to start, you know, because you two are such prolific theater goers, like thinking about theaters and thinking about the chains, thinking about indie theaters. We're in this like kind of vulnerable spot where we're really only not that far, maybe a few months, a year coming out of a huge impact on theaters with COVID-19 closures and restrictions. Um, What do we think about how is this going to impact theater going habits and the ability of these businesses to stay open? Yeah. So the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic certainly impacted, I think, I think uh, in the United States, uh, we lost about 5% of, of the total number of screens um, in the United States. I think that the box office dropped by about 20% uh, uh, from 2019, 25% below 2018. So um, uh, it, there, there has been like sort of a steady decline. I, I think the movie indus- industry is really interesting because it had problems, I think, without thinking about, um, uh, you know, pre-COVID, you know, drops about whatever, uh, a little bit between 2018 to 2019. Um, 
you know the i the the franchise ip stuff that was that was sort of like seeping into the culture um before that but but COVID certainly impacts people's ability to go to the movie and and for movie theaters to to just keep their doors open. You know, it's really interesting. like I know you know I'm Canadian, so uh, I'm going to give a very Canadian specific example. But Cineplex is is one of our biggest chains here, and they already have a monopoly on the movies that they get to play and and boxing out independent. Um, uh, theaters from being able to play uh these big pictures so some of these indie um uh companies like these mom and pop indie theaters um already sort of rely on on unique programming that's not based on the newest biggest thing um so you know rewatches anniversaries a sing-along stuff a lot of uh, these indie theaters here do a lot of like mom screenings like come and you know uh recognize that there might be a baby crying but that's what we're all, you know, we all get to watch a movie. Oh, with that's their baby. awesome, though. Yes. So they already are relying on that. It's just, I think, whether our movie-going habits change, whether people find, you know, it, you know, the the cost of going to a, a movie uh, is already so expensive, especially for you know a family. Um, you think about how expensive it can be to bring the whole family to go watch the movie, get snacks, uh, et cetera, et cetera, parking, all of that stuff. I think that. Um, I don't think the movie industry will ever die like the theater going to the theater. I don't think it'll ever die. It is um, movie releases are still so dependent on um, on a movie release. It's where the chunk of, of in, uh, money can come. And also, I think that there are a bunch of movies that we saw last year that relied on having sort of viral um, a, a viral theater release. Megan is a really good example of this mm -hmm. that then was able to transcend into a good run on streaming. Like, okay, now it's on whatever streaming platform it came out of. Um, you know, during COVID, a lot of companies switched to doing the streaming model that I think Ariel's really interesting to chat about that they, they, you know, if you can't go to the theater, we'll release our movie on our streaming platform, um, trying to copy Netflix's model, essentially, that they built. But a bunch of them are all losing money. I think pretty much all of them. Uh, anybody who who got into, like, being a studio is basically losing money. I think Paramount lost, uh, mm. like, a couple billion dollars. Uh, it's lost a couple billion dollars each year. Um, so... I don't know. I don't think going to the movies will ever go away. I think that there's an impact of like creating a monopoly on who gets to show the big movies um, and losing some of these smaller um, theaters, I think, is the biggest impact of potentially the strike. Yeah, I think the the interesting thing, first of all, don't ask Christopher Nolan about the, <laughs> the movie straight to, yeah, to streaming. To streaming yeah. He does not want to hear it. Uh, and, you know, he would argue now Oppenheimer returns are the reason why. Uh, yeah, the interesting thing to me about this, the COVID of it all is like you would think in a way, and there's like an oversimplification because obviously it's about TV as well, but in the just sticking to the movie theater and movie production part of it you think it would make them like a little bit more skittish to like be so uh bullish on this on this strike thing and like letting it get this far because you know they already suffered so much they're already in this mode of we kind of needed to save theaters and get back to like a certain even half of whatever the figure is of people's, yeah. uh, you know, going back to the theater consistently where you can, you could argue we're certainly not back yet, but we, the fact that people are going at all is like a win. Um, but I think it's like showing that what they're, what they're feeling internally and probably saying is like, people are going to come back and like the hubris of that, like people aren't going to stop coming to your point a little bit, Grace, like 
the movie theaters aren't going to close. Yes, the smaller ones are going to close, but they, they certainly don't care about that. And or I know theaters around here that like offer less show times. Uh, right, right, right. Just like, like they're trying, they're trying to like make cuts so, to prevent certain things. Um, yeah. But I think that that, sh that all of that shows that they really do understand the the historical implications and the importance of what this fight actually means because they need to try in my opinion, they, I feel like they need to, they feel like they need to take away as much as possible or keep as much as possible on their side from the actors and from the the writers and all of that because this is going to affect things as we sit here and talk about the historical significance of box office yeah. numbers and and the and the the habits of people it's really going to make a difference in their bottom line and they are companies yeah, I think it is hubris and I think it's, you know, brinksmanship. You know, this is like the style of negotiating that it seems like the AMPTP has been engaged in so far. And we'll see if this new round with the WGA produces something else. But it's like, you know, it really makes you wonder in the long run if they're thinking we absorb this loss and then we have this content mill that we can just produce 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 and we've cut out the most expensive part of that equation which is usually human labor costs and if they could just you know produce 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 pump it out and maybe one in every 10 or 20 is going to be a big gem and a big winner and that's kind of the end game that they're projecting out yeah yeah, I mean, they all, uh, so to talk about this, like them moving this to the streaming model, that was like necessity, but also um, it's just like, this is the way that like these startup businesses happen, right? Where, you know, if you think about um, Netflix is such a, it's such a, you know, when it, when it, especially when it first started in terms of get every TV show, you, you want not every TV show, but a ton of TV shows instead of having to buy, you know, the, the DVD uh, or wait for it to be on TV or whatever for like, 10 bucks a month. Um, and, and that's great, but now it's like, it, they're all losing money. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, not to be sympathetic towards them, but I just don't think that that business model works in the way that they're going to, to make up, recoup that cost is a, to try and yeah. Uh, a, maintain as much of the share uh, of the profit as they as they can and not fairly distribute it to the people who make it and then also eventually raise the cost of all of our streaming uh, uh, platforms mm -hmm. and we back to I mean it's already pretty close you know I, I know a lot of people who are like okay yeah, I'm subscribed to Netflix uh, uh, this month but but you know I'm going to cancel it and I'm going to get Apple TV uh, uh, next month you know or 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 they just choose which are the ones that they have and they don't watch anything um, uh, anything else uh, I, I just I, I don't think that I, I think that like yeah the the potential to create your Barbie uh you know movie is too big for them to let you know uh theatrical releases uh go I just worry yeah. about um you know that it's like the one movie theater chain in your in your town is the only theater that you know plays Barbie you know yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it, it it's been such a bizarre time to have like such a huge theatrical success in Barbie and also Oppenheimer, um, and then just to have this like lead into this like long malaise where we don't know what's coming and all of these other exciting films are being delayed. Um, I want to talk to both of you about A twenty four and independent film producers that um so a24 is the production company that produced everything everywhere all at once which obviously was a huge hit oscar-winning film from last 
season, and SAG-AFTRA has approved an exemption for two of the A24 movies that are in the works, allowing the um, independent production company to proceed with shooting. Um, So, you know, there is some work that is continuing to happen and the feeling from the union from SAG-AFTRA is that these in these independent companies like A24 are um, offering like a more uh, a a fairer deal to stars are also like you know these uh, incubators for creative projects that are representing you know different points of view so the union is supportive of this independent film industry like so I want to hear your thoughts as you know people who watch a lot of movies who follow all of this closely like what do you think this is going to mean if like could this create some daylight like some air for some of these smaller art house movies to get more attention like is there a potential um you know is is there some opportunity here that uh smaller independent film companies could take advantage of so my understanding is that they're allowed to basically they actually have 39 projects. So two of those are movies, but they're actually allowed to move forward with 37 other projects. Um, and that's mostly because they've met the, they're, they're willing to meet the demands uh, that the, the, um, they're not uh, part of the AMPTP. So they're not like negotiating as that block. So they're right. independently allowed to, um, to develop contracts with artists and their contracts are acceptable to SAG AFTRA. So the best part of this is, I, you know, I, you know, for as much as I'm like, yeah, I want there to be, you know, I want to watch Dune too, really bad. I really want to see it, but you know, ultimately it's okay if I don't get to see Dune too, because uh, if, if the demands aren't met uh, for these, the actors and writers, then I'm never going to get to see Dune three because, because uh, or Dune three mm-hmm. is going to be really bad, you know, um, because of all of these things that they're fighting for. So what I love the most about, cause there was this argument of like, doesn't, isn't that, isn't that bad to put this, you know, let, let a, you know, shouldn't we all be on strike? And the argument is that it puts pressure uh, on, on these other studios and shows also that if small independent companies, I mean, A24 is so funny, has such a reputation, repu- um, a reputation as being sort of like indie film lovers, like hipster or whatever. It's the only um, studio that got uh, applause at last year's Toronto International Film Festival that I saw, like A24 came on the screen and people like roared in applause. Like people love A24 films. Um, but this, this shows that like it can be done. It creates competition. Like A24 is going to get a get to put out a movie and, and uh as long as you're on strike you're you know as long as you're not meeting our demands you're not going to so i think it puts pressure um and also is a uh, you know proves that the talking point that the union's demands are unrealistic is not true if a24 is able to to meet um their demands so i i think it's great yeah i, I agree with all of that and i think it's it is funny to to think of it's certainly more of an independent company but like i don't i no yeah, longer not, think yeah. of a24 yeah, as like uh it's like it's a bigger it just feels like a bigger company perhaps than it is and that's how how wise they've been in their choices um but i agree i think it's just a bad look for the for the bigger studios if like a uh because that was my first reaction of like is this a good idea like we're making exception is this like watering down the 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 hard line that we are that we that 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 uh striking workers are supposed to have is this cheating in some way but they're 
saying yes to every single demand, seemingly, as far as I understand. So yeah, let's look to the future. This is what the future looks like. We could have like a positive working relationship if you would just allow it, you being the studios. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's interesting because the extent to which like this could perhaps and and actually, you know, I'll put out this plug right here. If anybody knows, if anybody has a guest in mind that could speak to a little bit more of the business side of these different production companies that make up the AMPTP, because I think it's actually fascinating and I'd love to have some expertise talk about this. But like when you think about these companies like Apple and Amazon now who are major players in the AMPTP, who have like a very, very extremely small proportion of their business model actually dedicated to creating content it's fascinating to think that they have the same say they're like jeff bezos has the same say at the negotiating um table as you know these traditional production companies and also like thinking about netflix like these are all very very different businesses and their long-term success is well, not is it is their their interests are not aligned on every one of these issues and this yeah. is really determining and like setting the tone for the industry so so it's like fascinating to think about like these other players that could maybe continue to produce cinema and not be beholden to these huge corporate conglomerates. Well, I, I think the Apple Amazon thing is really interesting because I was listening to a podcast. I can't remember. And again, this is where, yeah, getting someone who can understand the business side of things. But the idea was was basically, it, are the does Apple and Amazon, do they care if their, if their TV stuff ever turns a profit? Um, and because they they're such a big organization that Apple's selling iPhones and, and, yeah. and iPads and all of this stuff. And Amazon, you know, you get Amazon prime video as part of your, your Amazon uh, prime, right? Like your delivery stuff. So they're not we, even trying to sell it to you as a separate product. Right. It just like comes with their and, delivery, their, their two day delivery or whatever. And in one way that sounds like, well, that's great. If they don't care about profit, why would they be fighting? Why, why are they like, you know, going along with letting the strike happen? Why are they not meeting the demands? And it's because, they actually can then use that as the reason why they don't they don't negotiate in good faith in terms of well we're losing money we can't we can't possibly afford to pay you what you want your demands are unreasonable because our little movie studio team we we lose money every year on this so like you know think of us and as they a can charity. and they can wait out they can wait it out indefinitely like they 100%. will they 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 will never flinch in this game of chicken because it's just not that important to them um yeah so, I mean, I think that this is, I think that this is interesting that, you know, that A24 is proceeding and then also looking at the list of the films that are delayed here. And, you know, this is not fully representative, but I mean, so much of these big studio films are Spider-Man, uh, Ghostbusters, Karate Kid, Bad Marvel. Boys sequel. Like it's all like so much of this is recycled IP. And then when you look at, I know that Problemista is also delayed, but that's an A24 film. Like, if it creates a little bit of daylight for some of this more original content, um, that would be interesting to see if that kind of tests the water in terms of the theater going public's appetite for um, more independent, uh, more, you know, unique original stories. 
Yeah, I mean, or this is a whole separate thing, but like, you know, Marvel just dominated the box office for so many years. You and and um, you know, even stuff that like I feel like you and I could sort of sort of turn our nose up at like how many times does this need to remake an animated movie into a live action film? But you look at the box office numbers. Barbie, I th- I think uh, Melissa pointed this out on our podcast that Barbie was the 20th highest grossing film of all time, uh inflation uh not uh, you know, uh whatever, but um it's the it's the top film that's not based on a pre-existing movie, basically. So not a sequel, um, uh, not a project. It's obviously based on IP, uh, Barbie Motel, um, but not. Oh, really, uh, Grace? Is that, that's what it's based Barbie on? Barbie is like a thing that I exists. Guess. You don't understand. Yeah, I don't There's know if you so know. Many layers. <laughs> yeah. I didn't right. listen to Rhea Perlman at the yeah. end of the movie. <laughs> right. Anyway, I'm just saying, it's like, I think the movie industry is it was already in this really interesting place where people were having Marvel fatigue. Um, I think Barbie Oppenheimer, like Barbenheimer really ended up being like, yeah, people do want, I think, something different than what we've been getting um, uh, at the movies. But it's so much harder to take the risk, Ariel, I think, on like, you know, the not existing IP. Oh, absolutely. Because like, as we keep saying, it's all like they're trying to and the AI piece of it is like part of it, right? They're trying to like gamify and uh, like come up with equations for success when you cannot do that. The whole point is you want creators, as we have said, you want creators to come in and create art right for lack of a better word whether it's like the word art with lowercase letters or capital letters like you're making something creative it's a creative endeavor and like the more as we sit here and and talk about the the studio thing like i'm struck by this thing with like you know apple tv or amazon especially when they're like it's all about like selling and packages and all that it's like not really done in good faith as far as the art itself because it's like the origins of tv it was a way to deliver the ads right so like this is just the next extension of that yeah and i couldn't help but think of like some of this stuff and it's gonna get caught there's so much that's gonna fall between the cracks right as far as news as far as things getting reported because there's only so many headlines but this thing with uh spider-man spider-verse sequel of like they had already been saying that it was going to be delayed. But then now it's like very convenient to kind of fold that under the umbrella of, oh, because there's a strike, like now we have yeah. to delay it. It's just like, you're not, that's not really like. Accurate. I'm glad you brought this up, Ariel, because I think like, yes, I wanted to couch that and get to that. But some of these delays on this list are things that were probably already delayed for other reasons and the spider-man beyond the spider-verse is is one of those um it had been dated for march 29 2024 and now it's off the calendar um this is also in the against the backdrop of another topic that I really wanted us to talk about, which was um, the VFX workers that are calling for unionization now, um, especially in the Marvel world. Um, the super majority of Marvel Studios VFX crew signed cards saying they want to be represented by the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, IATSE. Um Kind of incredible that this group of workers has not had any sort of representation up to this point of thinking about the role that VFX plays in so much of film and television right now. It really can't be overstated how big and how rapidly this has 
blown up. Um, I was reading some reporting on this in um, IGN by Alex Stedman, um, who was um, reporting that really they just want to be represented by IATSE's basic agreement, which includes minimum wage increases, um, pension and health care plans. Um, so just some really, really basic protections. And um, to like put in perspective the amount of labor that is happening in this uh, segment of the industry right now, um, between Disney Plus and theatrical films, um, in this phase of um the the like that um in this phase of of marvel's uh you know MCU thing yeah yeah there there's a total runtime of vfx work that's approximately 60 hours and um they had a quote from one of the one of the vfx workers when you're turning a 90 minute movie into a 10 hour feature basically you're doing 10 times the amount of work with the same or even sometimes shorter period of time this got reported after the latest spider-man installment just exactly like how much pressure people were put under to turn around a tremendous amount of work, like the expectations on quality are so high. Um, so, I mean, this is, a, I mean, this is a huge proportion of the industry right now, right, Grace? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. Look at all the films that are using visual effects. Um, I think The Flash was also subject to some of these concerns. I think some of the problem is that there are only so many VFX companies out there. So these employees, I know across the Spider-Verse, uh, folks were talking about ending up having to work 70-hour weeks right up to um, the end of, of, of production. Um to um you know i think i think also ant-man and the the wasp quantum mania also um has had backlash for their treatment of vfx workers just overworking them um there's uh the the companies who who run these vfx teams don't want to lose out on potential future contracts for movies um so push their um uh, employees and and you know how anecdotal this is i don't know but it it does feel like you can feel it a little bit in the movies like you know obviously uh the flash sort of notoriously um had some I thought not great uh, uh, graphic effects. Uh, they're defending it as like that was like a choice, uh, but it certainly feels like uh, that was not a choice. That was like there's only so much you can do when you're pushing your VFX workers uh, to to the brim. So I think uh, good on them for uh, wanting to join uh, Yahtzee um, to yeah make sure that the, yeah they're treated fairly. Yeah, well, it was a choice. They it was because there was there was no other choice. Yeah, fair <laughs> choice. Because wow, that one I had forgotten about the Flash. Uh, but to me, it's just ironic. Again, the like hubris of the company. Like we are not I, specifically in, in in the case of Marvel. We are only whole as as consumers from the from the perspective of just like grading the product. We are only grading it against other product that the same company has given us so the idea that they would churn out some of this stuff in the most recent phase look at it and be like yes people will look at this and be like this is the same product or the same level of quality of product is kind of insane and i that but as we know they're just like whatever we have to get it out because money 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 and like we have this plan and even though it doesn't fit into reality we just have to move forward yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think that um, we'll, we'll definitely um, carry this on in our AI conversation coming next week. But like, there's also the issue of how much of this 
work are they going like are how how much they're going to use ai down the road to sort of undervalue this work and in some of the reading that i did i heard the same kind of sentiment that i've also heard from um writers which is that the idea that you can completely offload some of these these artistic endeavors to AI is like foolhardy and nobody believes it. Like, like yes, AI can write something that looks like a script, right? But then AI can go and like make sure that it works and like talk to all of the people and all this, like do all the other things that writers do to make something really high quality to make it artistic. And the same thing with AI, like you can create something that looks like the movie, but then like fixing it up, doing all of that other stuff that actually makes everything work together is always going to need some sort of human hand. And what, you know, AI can be used as this tool in labor negotiations to undervalue that work. And this was like a really great quote from Bilal Mack, um, who is a VFX supervisor, um, who said something like, um, you know, the first 90% of a job takes 10% of your time and the last 10% takes 90% of your time. And if they get, you know, AI to spit out that first 90%, then you're still going to do all of this work to make it look perfect, but you're only going to get paid for 10% of the work. And like, I think that that's exactly why AI is such an important issue at the heart of all of these different disputes well also um i know one of the the things that happened on across the spider verse is that um uh, miller and lord had not quite finished a lot of what they knew they wanted to do by the time the graphic effect the the visual effects people came and so there was about three months where they sat around doing nothing and that you know that's you know on one hand seems like well whatever they you know didn't have to work but on the other hand um talk about like well we I'm an artist. I want to create art. And so I think that the other piece of AI is like, are you going to get the best people working on your film if what you're asking them to do is take AI and fix it? I don't think so. I think probably if you talk to a lot of uh, visual effects artists, what they love is getting to create it, create it from scratch, build it, design it, uh, make it come to life. And if you're going to have these people who their job is then to fix what AI uh, uh, put out, I bet you're going to lose a lot of your really yeah. talented visual effects people because that is not a fulfilling um, task, you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah, and we saw the... Grace, I don't know if you watched uh, Secret Invasion, but that opening credits was... I forgot what the exact quote was, but something along the lines of created with AI with the help mm. of someone. Some, it's It sounds like what you are saying of like they had to fix it doesn't regardless it you can kind once i heard that i was like oh that's why it looks like that it's just not the same it's mm -hmm. not the same quality of product and they were like whatever it's just an opening credits thing but obviously it's a they are in the game of like incremental things like that so obviously it's only they only want it to get worse yeah i want to talk a little bit about the impact on Festival season and award seasons, like there's a rhythm, there's an annual rhythm to the movie industry that gets disrupted when something like this happens and all of these things have a ripple effect. So um, the Venice Film Festival is beginning later this month. We talked about how Challengers was pulled. Um, it was our opening night film, Challengers, and got pulled. That's a big deal. 
So what is what are what are we looking forward to at Venice, Grace? Um, I actually don't know the full uh, Venice lineup. I can start to to pull it up, but um, the weather. I, well, I, the weather. <laughs> the go- oh, yeah. like gondola ride. Well, I the I do think. The fashion. <laughs> um, you know they're they're. they're 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 very much international, right? So there is a, a, a way in which like uh, some of the stuff that they're going to have in their lineup uh, typically um, will, will not be super impacted by star power, but but they do rely on sort of the combination of both. Like I, you know, I joke about "Don't Worry, Darling," but that was a big deal for that for that to be where it, it premiered um, last year. So I do think that um, that was like the high watermark in press for that film. Everything hundred percent went down went downhill. Fast. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. So I do think, um, you know, there. So with these film festivals, like this is not why I go to the film festivals necessarily, but uh, there are red carpets, and you know, getting to do the Q and A with the um, the director or the star of the film before or after um, is a big deal. I was very I actually no, it's not true. I was very excited. I went to go watch uh, Brian Cox last year oh. uh, in a film that I did not think was very good, uh, but it was very fun for him to be part of the Q and A afterwards. Right? Was, so was he well dressed? I love he's always he was so pretty well dressed. Yeah. yeah, he was pretty well dressed yeah I love his fashion um so yeah i mean this is this is a part of the draw is part of the thing is um to to not only are you going to get to watch a film that that isn't out yet um that uh, you're excited to watch but also the extra draw that you'll see you know a star on stage afterwards talking about that particular film so i think there was a lot of worry you know and i think this is what challengers sort of you know they're going to delay the release of their film they still could have put it at venice and then it it doesn't need to come out for months mm-hmm. later but i think there's probably a cost associated with entering your film into into this and then to not get the buzz uh around it on top of um having your stars actually get to to be there i think that some of these uh film studios were a little bit uh potentially were hesitant the toronto film festival doesn't seem like it's like super affected you know an interesting decision i think that maybe came after um the strike happened is the opening film is actually the new miyazaki film um Mm. which really he can come and he can speak and you don't really need to rely like there's not like a ton of like star power in that film so i think a really interesting choice that was made um whether or not it was made before or after the strike happened but this is a film that on opening night will not be reliant on anybody basically other than miyazaki uh to 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 be there uh, miyazaki you might know from uh, these like anime uh japanese uh, uh films so i think that that's you know it's interesting to think about how they're positioning their programming based on on the strike yeah you can totally see someone in a room talking about wow it's gonna be so great we're gonna get zendaya you know opening night red carpet looking beautiful blah 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 and then you don't get that and you're like well what do we do now and also her you know talking about the movie in a gazillion different places right. and the the virality of her persona for like the younger Being that red carpet moment on social media and she's everything gonna do the hot wings right at the red carpet like we're just like blurring <laughs> all the lines mm-hmm. uh and they're not gonna get that and it's i mean it kind of seems like it's been it's been minimal changes so far besides that i mean obviously that's a big one but a lot of movies seem to be going forward and then it'll be a thing of you know, some directors show up, some not because of solidarity. And then, you know, 
the the good looks and the bad looks from that. The thing too is the spinoff from the promo that they do at TIFF. So if Zendaya says something that's really interesting, that gets published. Yeah, she and, gets and, bit on someone. She gets bit on someone, right? So to not have it, it's not just about that actual film fest and like selling tickets to that show because yeah, I I went and watched a movie that I might not have otherwise watched because Brian Cox is in it and I knew he was going to be doing the Q and A afterwards. But if Brian Cox says something that ends up being, you know, the film actually does get buzz, uh, and then there's interviews with him that people can then go and and report afterwards. It's like this is sort of the trickle out effect of um, the film festival stuff. And yeah. and how much of these festivals is like also a springboard into award season in terms of like, you know, getting the buzz going there, jockeying for Academy votes. I mean, how much of that starts to happen during these festivals? Yeah. So like a lot of the a lot of these films that end up winning, you know, your awards at these festivals often, you know, get a bump in terms of okay these are the ones we're going to be looking at for award season so it, it certainly is and and performances too i think that um i think brendan fraser got like a you know the notorious like an eight minute standing ovation last year right. uh as the whale started to get some buzz and then it came out um and although it's not the greatest movie you know his performance is good he ends up winning um uh the oscar for, for best actor so it certainly can like start to launch you the other piece of this is films that have not been um don't have distribution yet right so um a good a recent example is um uh, this horror movie talk to me that we talked about on post recaps theater you can check out our recap it was great check out the movie um but uh it played at a festival i think sundance and then there was a bidding war over it and so it ended up uh being purchased by a24 who then distributed it. they have a really good horror uh you know they do a lot of horror stuff but that's the other piece of these film festivals too is these films that have been made but don't necessarily have distribution also getting some buzz to therefore then be um uh printed. but but is there a lack of potentially like not as much if like i don't even know when i'm going to put this movie out if like you know the stars can't promote it are we going to actually buy you know buy it uh, you know so you'll be interesting to see the if that has any effect it might not but we'll see yeah, part of the the dance from my perspective that happens at these kinds of things is like you Zendaya, for example, would like you start to build like this. You don't need another example, just rep- Zendaya and 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 spitting. Starting that- with the only example that's important to <laughs> that's a lot right. of listeners. Uh you start to the 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 actor starts to build a rapport with uh, with reporters in regards to this project specifically. And then best case scenario, the Zendaya like press run press tour starts to take like, a uh, it starts to take on a like move. It becomes its own thing. It becomes bigger than the movie. And the, just a meta moment that people are talking about, whether it's something good happened or bad happened, like the spinning thing, but it's, it's part of the, it's a, it's an important piece of the rollout of the movie as far as the studio is concerned. So, you know, to, to not have, to not have that there is like a big, it's a big decision and it has like ramifications for the movie, obviously because they're, they're pushing the movie, but then they're like now probably wondering, well, where do we premiere it that it could have a splash like this? Yeah. I mean, I like, I just think of thinking about last season and there was the whale and everything everywhere all at once. And there were all of the great, uh, Kihu Kwan and Brendan Fraser reuniting and like all of these like wonderful moments like you said the eight minute standing ovation like that BK took on a life of its own and got I think people interested 
in seeing Brendan Fraser's comeback or interested in seeing, um, you know, these actors. Like I, I do, there's definitely something that gets generated in that. And then both of those films, I think, ended up making a big splash if I'm sorry for the um, pun on the behalf of the whale, but like in the <laughs> award season that was, it was a kind of an unanticipated thing. I think both of those movies kind of caught people off guard and ended up having a little bit more of an impact um, that you then um, anticipated coming out of that, um, that festival season. Um, award season is going to be interesting for, a lot of reasons. We already have the Emmys delayed. So um, yeah. the Emmy awards um, were, uh, so those were delayed and will now air on January 15th of 2024. That's the current projection. Um, you know, of course, um, the Emmys rely on, on writers very heavily, on actors very heavily. So um, not in terms, only in terms of who can um, be there to receive the awards, but also in terms of just putting on that show. So that's delayed. Um, you know, we, we think about February as Oscar season. There are no reports about delays in the Academy Awards to this point. Um, but also on November 14th, the Academy's Governor Awards is um, is scheduled. That won't be able to go on unless things get resolved in somewhat short order. Um, so there's two questions here. There's like, can we put on these shows, right? Um, and then there's also, what movies will we have to be eligible for this Oscar season? Um, Grace, what are your what are your thoughts about this? I think this, you know, delaying it until January 15th is only because that's when they hope that and think that potentially um, both. I think both strikes probably have to be over for um, this to go ahead. Um, I don't you can't write the show without writers. Or, I don't, yeah, I don't know what like the, the thing would be there. And, and you certainly don't want to put it on if none of your actors can come and accept any of the awards. So I think that uh, that that. It's it's interesting, I think, in terms of them actually putting a date on it, just in terms of um, giving us some potential insight into mm -hmm. um, when they think this could be could be done. Um, obviously, then in in time enough to to promote it um, and, and things, etc. Um, yeah, in terms, I I think it's I, you know, in terms of what actually will be eligible, I feel like that's more fun to think of. Like, it's such a talking point, I think, for us, Ariel, like on an Oscars pod, to be like is Barbie only going to get nominated because it's a weird year? Like, you know, and, and getting, and like, in our opinion, no, like it should be nominated I, I anyway, no but like, on that yeah, one. yeah. But it'll be, I think it, 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 that's more like, it provides us like very interesting talking points. Um, then, um, I think it actually matters in the long run. Like I love award season. I love all the businessy stuff. I love box office numbers, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But like, ultimately like that really matter who won the Oscar. Like, no, other than it's like conversational. So, um, yeah. I mean, great, great news for past lives. One of, yeah, true. true. Well, selfishly for that movie. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's interesting to consider. Certainly they can't do what the Tonys did and have Ariana DeBose just like sing and not speak and <laughs> dance. And uh, everyone was dancing and it looked great on TV uh, or like on the YouTube clip that I watched. But um, I think, uh, yeah, it's not like you can't do what's the, what's the alternative. Like they do the, the, the let's just press release and tweet out the winners. It's not as, 
it's not as fun. And the industry loves to like pat itself on the back on nights like this. And they're giving out awards. Yeah. Like the faces of it are these actors that, Mm -hmm. that accept the awards a lot of times, but like at the end of the day, it's like a producer award for a studio person that like helped get the movie made in a lot of cases. Yeah, I mean, it really is. It's taking away their treats in a lot of ways if we can't have these award seasons because the studios love to boast, you know, how many awards there they 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 rack up in in the night. Um, it's it's you know, again, it's like a huge uh, press kind of event where you get a lot of promotion for different things. Um, I know, I mean, as somebody who doesn't get to the theater a lot it kind of gives me like a you know a cheat sheet of what are the movies and what are the performances that I need to catch up on um so you know so this is obviously I think there's been no announcements about the Oscars yet but we might hear something in the coming weeks and months if this doesn't get resolved quickly so um we can anticipate delays um it would be and you know it would be really interesting from the talking point of it all about you know how they handle these things what happens to the films that did get released up to this point how are they considered um do they get honored um or do they get lumped in with something else what do they end up doing some, also some this, honorable mentions yeah. uh yeah. uh segments mm-hmm. if this finally kills the golden gloves i mean uh potentially a good thing here they currently don't have broadcasting rights and i feel like everyone just forgot that they were like extremely racist so i feel like you know uh-huh. uh, yeah, i fine. picture like all yeah. these like italian men smoking cigarettes sitting around i'm like what there's a strike like oh what's that about <laughs> forgive the accent um before we like kind of wrap this conversation up like one of the things that i've been grappling with and that i i know that the two of you think about this is like you know does being a a fan of television and film during this strike like what are you know i want to just talk a little bit about personal feelings about Mm. fandom and how do you support the art that is important to you while not necessarily supporting a business model, which is not honoring the artists that are bringing you that. Um, you know, I've tried to, I've, I've started this conversation with members of the guilds with uh, both SAG-AFTRA and WGA members. And, you know, I'm getting kind of a variety of, 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 of thoughtful and complicated answers. Um, but talking to you know some of my fellow fans and podcasters, how are you squaring this right now? It's yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, um, you know, we obviously last week Josh had uh, talked about um, you know the role of podcasting in 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 this environment, and and we are you know labeled much more as like critics than um, you know we you know, push recaps theater, we're, we're not doing anything that is, um, you know, we, we don't get, you know, studios, you know, invited and we're doing, we're willing to, you know, agreeing to do promotion of a movie, um, based on that invitation. So it is, it is tricky because on, on, yeah, cause there's this, you know, the conversations when the strike first happened about, should we be canceling our streaming services? Should we be not going to the movies? And I, you know, yes. in one hand, like, we are uh, paying money to the studios who and and the you know who are 
um, not meeting the demands. And on the other hand, you don't want the failure of a project to provide, um, you know, an excuse for a studio to say, well, look, nobody went and saw the movie. Like, how could we possibly pay you more money? You know, like nobody's, nobody's coming, you know? So I think it's, it's really tricky. I feel like the most uh, we can do is to continue to make sure that we like advocate that we believe uh, in, in the strike. And again, like anytime I'm like, man, that sucks that like, you know, as I joked before, like Dune isn't going to come out. Like it's actually totally fine that Dune doesn't come out until it comes out uh, until um, SAG, uh, AFTRA and um, the Writers Guild of America agree on contracts with uh, the studios because um, that's more important. You know, I in the long run, if these demands don't get met, who knows what the future, uh, particularly the quality of, of movies, uh, and TV that we watch will be. Um, I think that, you know, this idea that you would have like, you know, one AI spit out a script that one person is going to edit is just like no good. Like I know Ariel, you joked about past lives. If you haven't watched past lives, it's having a really good like indie run, uh, in theaters. Um, you should check it out. It's, um, this movie, um, that's just wonderful and beautiful. It's sort of a rom-com love triangle thing about two people who uh have this like will they won't they over the course of their life and it's it's wonderful and i just think that film is so human in a way that how could ai possibly write anything like that and it's also just like the way that they she shoots things in the in like these things that she does in the film that like how could you get that without having like people who care about what they're trying to put in the film. And I think about that thing about, we talked about VFX artists, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, if you're going to try to diminish what like movies are, then I think the quality of movies and the people who are, you know, working on these movies are going to be invested less. And so um, I think it's important that we like firmly say that like, yeah, the demands need to be met um, and it's okay that they're on strike, uh, even if it like impacts our viewing uh, ability or the number of movies that will be in theaters. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And my my take is like, I think that that care is actually part of the product that I enjoy. Like, even mm-hmm. if you could, in theory, like philosophically speaking, like spit out the identical script and like have the identical, uh, you know, the identical look and feel that just knowing that that wasn't that didn't come from a human like it it it, it actually like diminishes its value to me like I I believe that because I do think art is like a means of communication and if you're not communicating with anybody on the other end if it's just you know some program spit that out I really do think that 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 diminishes the experience yeah yeah I think I, I agree with that completely. And I think that's part of, for me at least, like I can think back to to move early movies, you know, seeing, uh, you know, some of the earliest movies that I saw in theaters as a kid and just like my relationship with movies and then like starting to consume like critical material about the movies you know critics takes and then to your point that conversation of like yes that's how i see it i don't see it that way or i don't agree with this choice because at the end of the day it was somebody's choice whether it was the writer was the director the 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 many other people who are on set uh that i can name uh that they created this thing right it's like the labor of you hope in a lot of cases a labor of love and even when you don't agree with something or even enjoy something, frankly, you still have an emotional reaction and that feels real. And I think that conversation part is really important. Um, 
that's this whole thing with with art is really fascinating and really complicated as you already said amanda that's capitalism unfortunately like big woof to all of that i think it, in a lot of cases we the system is is feeding us this thing this piece of entertainment and a lot of people are just used to it and 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 it's hard for people to like question the very mechanism that is giving you the thing that you enjoy mm-hmm. but the you know i i have like for instance me let me let me speak about for for myself i have you know these big names here in the us we have amc i have their like monthly pass but like mm-hmm. i also support uh one of my local theaters so i'm like a you know it's like a much more expensive membership for a year so it's a one-time payment so it kind of works out and then you get like a discounted ticket it's like the least uh arguably the least bang for your buck as far as these things go but i'm supporting like a very small one theater only mm-hmm. uh place theater house and it makes me feel good and selfishly they show a lot of movies that nobody else shows whether it's like indie films whether it's old films and you just have to find a way to you know if it's something that you struggle with like some people do i know i've had conversations with people it's like oh what do, what do i do how do i like support is it you know there are like charities that you could support as far as uh or rather like support funds that you can mm-hmm. you can give money to which i think is obviously really great but just like in your day-to-day life it's hard for people it's the same thing with like climate change not to get existential no, but like I, what I, do I, I do as like yes. one person as a singular mm-hmm. person to like yeah. make a change and it's like you have to find a way to do things that are meaningful to you and that like make a difference in your in your daily life i don't know yeah, no, I think I, I, I so I'll, I'll plug the entertainment community fund because that is one of those, uh, those uh, charitable organizations that help support artists and enable them to carry on with these strikes, the members of SAG-AFTRA and the WGA who have been out of work because of this stoppage. So that's one thing you can do. Um, yeah, I think climate change is a really good analogy, Ariel, because you know, like climate change, you know, in- individual consumer actions, right? Like they're they're not completely meaningless, but that's not going to solve a systematic entrenched problem, right? Like, so it can make a little dent and do what makes you feel good to be a responsible consumer. Um, but the real change from this is going to come from real organization and that's exactly what SAG-AFTRA and the WGA are doing right now they're using their power their actual leverage to um to stop work and that is one of the mechanisms of change and then i think it's going to be um you know other regulatory choices so thinking about this as issues that affect um you know candidates that you support and ways like when it comes to regulation, but it's, it's a complicated, it's a big complicated issue. It's not just uh, something that affects um, the entertainment industry. I talked to Paul Prescott last week about um, how, you know, labor law in the United States has been eroded over decades and decades. So there's a lot of solutions to this problem um, that we need to pursue. And um, that's why I think having these conversations is so important so people can become aware of um, how they can um, do what they want to do to support not only the workers in the entertainment industry, but workers in in all industries. Um, 
So I really appreciate both of your thoughts about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love, I loved, uh, last week's, uh, pod getting to, to hear about the, uh, organizing of, of labor talked about there being like a union boom, uh, mm -hmm. a few years ago and, um, yeah, uh, it's been really cool. Oh, I didn't, I, I wanted to give a shout out. I was going to, I said this to you uh, previously, if you want a movie that's about the labor movement, yes. uh, pride is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's a big, uh, a hit, uh, for one Brooklyn Zed as well. Um, which is about, um, this group of, uh, LGBTQ advocates who go and support, um, I think a minor strike in Wales, I believe. Um, it's really good. It's really well done. It's really cute. It's about like, um, yeah, these two groups coming together to support uh, this this minor strike that's happening, um, but them being the minors being a little bit like put off by like an LGBTQ group because it's set in um, uh, it's a historical drama. Uh, it's delightful. I encourage everybody to check it out. Um, and uh, yeah, some, it has uh, a huge appreciation for uh, labor movements and strikes. So that's awesome. That's yeah. a great recommendation. I will definitely check that out. You know, you guys could do this on Post Show Recaps Theater yeah. movies about organized labor. You could do normal. There's a wiki. Ray, there's a wiki. Roger and me. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. lots of there's lots of good stuff here. That could be a project of this strike. Well, when the yeah, as the movie is uh, the schedule is like mm -hmm. weak. When, like, when the maybe labor. Broke, yeah. When the pipeline <laughs> dries up. How to blow up a pipeline, by the way. Uh, <laughs> shout out to that movie. Uh, yeah, I think, and as we've seen, I mean, speaking of these movies and speaking of of these organized labor movements overall we've seen very most recently in the news these things are contagious right you're like you mm -hmm. the the unions look at each other like wait yes that's that's a way of, of creating progress and it's like wonderful to see yeah la city workers are are striking um we're seeing this effort i think to organize in the vfx industry is directly related right now to seeing SAG-AFTRA and um, the WGA strike. So um, one of the upsides of having a strike in such a visible public facing industry is that this like can really serve as a platform to talk about these issues more broadly. Um, I wanted to introduce maybe a new weekly segment um, mm. for Strike Up the Conversation where I will share my favorite moment from the picket lines over the past week. And did you guys happen to see the Parks and Rec crew all show up on the picket line? It was uh, specifically what got highlighted to me is not just the Parks and Rec crew, but uh, one specific cast member of Parks and Rec, which is Lil Sebastian. Lil Sebastian was there. Yeah, yeah, this is big news. Lil Sebastian was on the picket line. Yeah. I saw, you know, a, a person that's that's close to our hearts, Amanda uh, Aubrey Plaza yes. from uh, White Lotus, but obviously made famous by her uh, portrayal on Parks and Rec of April Ludgate. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza was amazing on the picket line. She was in full character as April, <laughs> and her picket sign said that Ann Perkins works for the AMPTP. <laughs> <laughs> and then I heard her in an interview where she said, everyone deserves fair wages, even Jerry, like in her, <laughs> in her perfect April Ludgate deadpan. So, I mean, I think I really think it's dangerous to make enemies of people who are like so funny and charismatic as, as, these, as these actors and writers. Yeah, you'll get roasted. Mm -hmm. uh, the the talent pool, is just, especially when they're like speaking to each other on the picket lines and there are all these conversations. I mean, I remember from 
from uh the previous strike hearing stories of like yeah that's an idea not that, to be clear not that they're like writing stuff on the picket lines but like you develop re on real relationships yeah. with like people that you only met or maybe had a passing had met previously but like you develop a real camaraderie and that of course can only lead to uh to great art um but one of my one of the moments that I saw, one of the few moments that I saw, and I believe that it was in the last week, uh, was the John Ham sign from uh oh. from one of the picket lines, and it said that's what the money's that's for. That's what the money's like, for. Okay. Very yeah, yeah very good. You no, know, you know. Um, and I was like, Yes, the suitcase and the picket lines. This is a, a wonderful, that. a wonderful marriage. I love uh, that. And things like things like Alan Ruck like being, yeah. you know, like going from his like the the contrast between the Connor Roy persona and uh, you know, being uh, a voice of the working man. Really, really excellent stuff. Stephen Amell uh took a walk of shame and joined the picket line and looked incredibly unhappy doing so. <laughs> But you know, mm -hmm. he went out there. He went out there after you making terrible get. comments. You yeah. Get upset. <laughs> yeah. Fool. Yeah. Um, do you yeah. want to hear the incredibly stupid observation about uh the picket lines that yes. I do? Yes. <laughs> like everybody has really big hats. Like everybody's wearing, <laughs> like you see a lot of the big and I was like, these are people who understand the importance of sun protection. Sun yes. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Actors know, like you have to have lots have of sunscreen. Their money a big, have a big brim on yeah. your hat that you can never have too much sun protection. That's right. That's true. No. Yeah, there are a lot and of they, big brimmed hats. Yeah. And wow. they, you know, it helps to it helps to to make them feel like they're not as naked probably right like they're out in the world like wearing wearing things that they wouldn't be caught in public wearing necessarily mm -hmm. but i support it they're yeah, all everyone people. looks really schlubby too and i enjoy that like it makes, it makes me feel seen <laughs> i'm like oh maybe they're not that different than me and they're like mm -hmm. big floppy hat and sunglasses and ill-fitting t-shirts that's right that's right um they well, sweat they sweat just like we do <laughs> they do they do um well if not on the picket lines where can people keep up with everything that you're doing grace uh mostly here on post show recaps uh covering a lot of tv uh aforementioned uh steven amell and heels you can catch that just dropped up some good omens coverage talking heartstopper each week uh yeah lots lots happening i'm on uh socials at high from grace Direct. go for grace great and you ariel I am on the artist formerly known as Twitter at that other Ariel. I'm covering the after party with Grace and Jess. Yeah. I'm covering dark. Well, we just finished covering dark, covering movies like we've been talking about. Um, and it's always really fun. It's always here on Post Show Recaps. So, yeah, that's it. Isn't it? We decided to take the week off just because the only movie that was potentially big enough to cover his last voyage of the Demeter. And we were like, we don't really have to cover it, but isn't that funny that we're on the strike? It's kind <laughs> of perfect that yeah, you it's come kind of here to talk about how there's no great. movies. We don't have a movie. That's us being yeah. respectful. Well, we should not... drop this in the PSRT. Yeah, yeah. drop this in the recaps theater feed. By yeah. not putting out a podcast about a movie like that, woof, right. uh, last voyage of the Demeter. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you can find me at Dr. Amanda R. Um, and of course, if you have any questions about the strike or any topics that you would like us to cover, then um, go to postshowrecaps.com slash strike FAQ. Um, and thank you so much for joining me, Ariel and Grace. I, I love talking to both of you. I used to get to do it every week. And the opportunities are few and far between. Now, Post Show Recaps Theater is my favorite podcast. So I guess I'll have to listen fan. 
to this uh, podcast. That's right. <laughs> Can you switch it off in your brain and be like, okay, now I'm just, now I'm just listener, man. Just not, listen not to the great scenario parts. Okay. No, it was it was an honor, especially after yeah. after all the guests that you've had on this podcast. It's, uh, it's a delight to come and talk about. It.